This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Let me explain something to you while you're turning your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13, because we are in the middle of a series, and today we're talking about sermon number 5, and I pray that it be a blessing to you. But I want to call your attention back before we get into the Word to something that we're talking very seriously about. When I started this series, I knew that it was going to be very complicated. I knew that it was going to be very pointed, and it was going to be very direct and personable. Not only was it going to affect us as a church collectively, but my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would do more than just a collective work, that he would move individually and personably in and on our lives throughout this entire series. And so a couple of months before we started the series, we put these sermons together asking the Lord to do just that. And on the very first Sunday when we preached this series, I passed out this particular card at the end of the first message. It simply says, serving together, and I listed the scripture in Joshua, when Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a personal decision. Spiritual leaders of every household should ensure and instruct and engage in this thing of serving the Lord. But we did something even more then give you a scripture of encouragement. On the back of that card, we listed many opportunities that are available here at the church to do exactly that, to serve. And so what we plan to do is when we finish this series, just as we pass these cards out, we want to collect them again. And I'm praying that each one of you would search your heart and say, God, Speak to me. How can I fit into this? And you might say, well, preacher, as I looked over this list of opportunities, there happens to be something that I'm gifted in and talented in that is not on this list. And that would be incredible. So what you can do is at the bottom, underneath where it says email, because we want everybody's information. We want to collect these to put the puzzle together. And at the bottom of it, you might say, Pastor, my spiritual gift, talent, or whatever it is that you'd like to do. It's not listed here, but this is what God's laid on my heart, that we want you to write that in. And I pray, it's my prayer, that you are already doing this. I promise you that if you're saved, if you're born again, you, you really don't have to say, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. He'll show up in your life. He'll speak to your heart. And he will lay something upon you, whether it's, I've said this many times, putting blue envelopes in the pew racks in front of you, refilling the sanitizer, putting tissues there, picking up paper, helping our children's ministry. The, it, the list goes on and on. But I guarantee you, and as we will see in the message today, if you're saved... You are called to serve. And we're going to see that in the scriptures today. 
And so I pray that you're saying, search me, Lord. Is, is there a nugget in this list? Is there something, a calling, a ministry? Is there something I can do for you? As I have already said, these are difficult sermons. They're very candid, very pointed, very direct, very personable. Likewise today, especially uh, sermon 6 and 7 as well. So today, this morning, I want us to look at the book of Galatians. And if you're looking at your bulletin, we're talking about we serve the Lord when we serve one another. And the first passage that I'm going to give you this morning is Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13, the Apostle Paul is writing. He gives us great encouragement and instruction. And he says, For brethren, ye have been called. Now notice the word brethren. That's in reference to a believer. There's an old song that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Have you ever heard it? And it goes like this. You may notice that we say brother and sister around here. Have you ever wondered why we call each other brother Michael, sister Karanda? Why, why do we preference that in that greeting, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so? Because we're brethren. That unites us together. We're part of the family of God. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And so when Paul says here, brethren, he's talking about this bond that we have in the family of God. He's not addressing lost people in this particular passage. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And I want to give you another passage. It's in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. We'll read another one in verse number 10. There are three verses in this particular chapter I want to call your attention to. In verse 1, brethren, again, he's basically saying, my brothers and sisters, he's addressing the family of God. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse number 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And in verse number 10, one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible, as we have therefore opportunity, let us, the family of God, brothers and sisters, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. So I want us to think about these particular passages today as we go into this message, message number five, we serve the Lord when we serve one another. I think for the most part, 
many people have the misconception that being called by God only happens to pastors, only happens to evangelists, and only happens to missionaries. This word called, that's, that's a step-up word. And a lot of times in, in the Christian realm, we, we want to sit back or step back instead of step up and apply this personally. But, but being called, again, let me emphasize, does not necessarily only mean pastors, evangelists, and missionaries. In fact, I believe this. That's about as if you believe that. That's about as ridiculous as believing that you have to be twelve years old to be saved. I mean, you probably have heard that falsehood many times. But the truth of the matter is this: if you have grown up believing that you have to be twelve to be saved, the the the, the big problem with that is where is that in the scripture? The Bible clearly talks about that when we come to the age of accountability, when we're able to discern right from wrong, our souls, we're accountable to God. I don't, I don't want to go into that direction this morning. There's so much that I could say about being under or beneath or not yet reached the age of accountability. But we're talking this morning about opportunities to serve the Lord. Listen, you don't, we don't confine this thing to three categories of ministry, pastors, evangelists, and missionaries. The truth of the matter is this, every single one of us who have been saved, we have been called. All of us that have been saved. Now you say, it's called to what? Now, that's the big question. Called to what? If we have been saved, we have all been called, but called to what? What does that mean? Called to serve. Well, wait a minute, preacher. I, I didn't sign up for that. Now, because that's a big uh-oh in a lot of people's lives. Somebody might say, well, preacher, I mean, when I got saved... I was just signing up for not going to hell. I mean, who in their right mind wants to die and go to hell? Uh, truly, I don't know if he meant it, and I don't know where he is in life today, but I've only met one person that I presented the gospel to that told me straight up, when I die, I want to die and go to hell. I, 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 I have no explanation for that. I don't want to judge it, but that's what he said. Well, wait a minute, preacher. If you're saying that all of us who are saved have been called to serve, wait a minute. I didn't sign up for that. I was just, I was just making it clear I didn't want to die and go to hell. I, I was just making it clear that uh, I, I want a mansion. I don't want to die and go to hell, but, but I do want a mansion. And. Furthermore, I don't want to die and go to hell. I want a mansion and I want a reward. I want a crown, a starry crown. And let, while I'm at it, preacher, 
When I got saved, I signed up for this. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want a mansion. I want a reward. And I want to see my loved ones who've gone on before. But the last thing I want is to serve. Wow. Wasn't that, isn't that true? So let me say this. Being called, some people believe that it's just confined to a pulpit of foreign ministry across the world like Brother Kevin and Christina go. But listen, this thing about being called, it also applies to right where you are. Right where you are. As born-again believers, we've all, without exception, every single one of us have been called to serve the Lord and we have all been called to serve the body of Christ, all of us. So listen carefully. That means not just collectively, but it also means very personably where you are. Sometimes it's one by one, one at a time. But we have been saved for special service. And I don't want you to get this wrong because we're not saved by serving. The Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons believe that. Now, I'll just give you one scripture this morning and I'm not going to go into all the different ideologies and all of this stuff and philosophies of diversities of faith. But there's one scripture in Titus chapter 3, verse 5 that clearly sets us apart from all of that work to stuff. We're not worktified, we're justified. Titus 3, 5 says, not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. We were nothing in ourselves, we are nothing on our own, and we would be nothing without the marvelous grace of God. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So we're not saved by works, but when we're saved, we are to work. We are to serve the Lord. So please get this right. We're not saved by serving. If you serve the Lord, it will not make you one ounce higher leveled saved than anybody else. That's not the way that it works. But we are saved for serving. And I mentioned in the beginning of the series that this was going to be pointed, candid, and direct, and it was going to be about as real as you could get in the pulpit. The number one reason why many people do not serve is because primarily we are too overly preoccupied and consumed with ourselves. Now, I told you this wasn't going to be an easy series, and I think you get that by now, especially if you have done some soul-searching with this card that we passed out in sermon number one. But it's true, and it's, I, I believe that it's long overdue. So listen carefully. In reality, about this thing of serving, the truth is only, and it's been like this, I think, since the church began, and especially in the infancy of the New Testament church, there was a shorter of workers. And Jesus told us that only a small minority of born-again believers really use their lives, their talents, and spiritual gifts to serve others. I want you to see what Jesus said in Mark chapter 8 and verse number 35. Now, they will do their best to get these scriptures here on the screen. It's in large print. You can read it easy. 
It'll save you some time and turning, but I do want you to keep your Bibles well used. Keep those pages unstuck and uh, reference to it often. But the Word says this, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. And so if you hold on to truths like this, it will certainly have eternal dividends for you. But if you hold on and hard the blessings of God that he has gifted you with, with talents or skills, uh, you're going to be like the man in the scripture who was blessed but hid his talent. In fact, if you're not familiar with that, it's in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. And I'll ask him to get the scripture up quickly for you. The Bible says this, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had two or received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now, because he did this, I want you to see what the Lord had to say about this and Verse 24 through 30. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast, that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own Uzreem. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But for him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this passage has many sermons tucked away in it, but the main thing that I want you to see here is that because we have all been blessed in the body of Christ with something we can do, there's not one person in here today that can truthfully, honestly say that God has not blessed me with something I can do. The Lord expects us all to use our talents and our skills to serve him and especially to serve others. And the pure motive for serving, listen carefully, the pure motive for serving ought not to be a pat on the back or a name mentioned in the bulletin, but the pure motive for serving should be love. In fact, Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 3. He said, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not 
charity or have not love, it profiteth me nothing. Now, that I realize that that's very hard to comprehend, but God is more, let me emphasize this, when it comes to you serving, God is more interested in the pureness of it, why you do it, than actually how well you do it. Because he's always looking at the heart, and the heart reveals the motive. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, the scripture says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. So we have to realize this, that the the pureness of what we do is birthed and born in love, but it's the why we do it. And we're living, I believe, the most like Jesus when we're serving others with a pure heart. I want to give you a couple of scriptures real quick here before I get into the points of the outline. In John chapter 13, verse 14 and 15, the scripture says, If then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, we then as workers together, I, I wish you would underline that or highlight that somehow in your scripture. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. And I want you to notice carefully, workers together. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 2, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. So the thing that helps us to genuinely serve one another is to have a very real and sincere love for one another. And we do this by thinking of others. When our kids were small and we would take a trip, I don't know how many of you um, have traveled with a child or children, but at some point when they're very young, they get very uh, radical. <laughs> and and our kids, they, they, they were radical, especially when we traveled um, with all three of them at a very early young age. And, I mean, at some place along the line, we, we had to have a meeting. And for the most part, it was one of those come-to-Jesus meetings. But we taught them one word. And if you were to ask any of my children today, what's the one word of the family that you grew up with, I, there's no doubt in my mind they would all be able to testify of the word. Because we would, I would find the closest, I mean, this was really when it was... Um, a song and a dance. We, I would find the closest, safest place to pull over, and I would just turn around, and I'd look at all three of them, and I would say, others. Think of others. And especially Brian and Crystal, when they get into it, uh, I mean, they would, they would be into it. And uh, they, he's touching me, and he said this, and he won't, and, you know, you're trying to get down the road, and you're dealing with all this stuff. So 
I would turn around and I would just look and I would ask them, what's the word? Others. (laughs) What a strain it was. And then it got to the point where I would say, what's the word? Dad, please don't make me say the word again. But we we raised our kids with that one word, others. There's no doubt in my mind that our church is filled with brotherly love. I look out here and I, I just feel the love oozing in the pew. I know you have it. We have it. But I will tell you, we have to get to a place where it's demonstrated in more deeper ways than just words. Words are important, but we have... We've got to get busy. We've got to put our hands on the plow. And I want to share with you a few ways that we can glorify God by serving one another. Number one, and this is huge, when we forgive and restore one another. In Galatians 6, 1, we've read this scripture already before, but I want you to look at it again with this thought in mind. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And and let me emphasize something. We're talking about, as Paul is addressing brothers and sisters, he's talking about brethren. And there will always be periods of time in the family of God, in the body of Christ, where one of us, unfortunately, will be caught up in a web of sin. And that's just the way that it is. I mean, when one of us or some of us simultaneously gets seriously tangled up in the clutches of the adversary, that's bound to happen. That will happen. And when it does happen, none of us should reach for the closest stone to throw or our cell phone, or our Facebook. If that is what a person wants to do, then listen carefully. You have erred from the Scripture. That's not what the Scripture says to do when you see a brother overtaken in a fault. Because the Word says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We all have a very important responsibility not only to read the Scriptures, but to learn the Scriptures and to grow in the Scriptures because, listen, anytime, any place, anywhere, faults and sin, webs of the adversary could happen to any one of us at any given time. The Apostle Paul said this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. I believe one of the best ways that we serve one another is by praying for one another. I mean, fervently, earnestly, sincerely praying for one another. Because the truth of the matter is, every single one of us are in a constant battle with our flesh. It's not just the devil, spiritual, unseen warfare, but I mean, we have to deal with this carnal flesh all the time. With our eyes, our mind, our words, sometimes with revenge, we all deal with things and we all struggle with things. I think sometimes we need to be reminded that we are at war with the devil and not one another. 
there's not one single one of us who can face the devil alone. We need God. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We need one another. We need one another. Because there, there might be a time that when I'm on bottom, I'm on the rock bottom, things have not gone well in my life, I'm, I'm dealing with a struggle, I'm dealing with stress, I'm dealing with depression, I'm dealing with some of these things that mount up even in my own life. And listen, when I'm not able to do 100%, say I'm only, I'm only capable of doing 80%, I need somebody to step up and do 120, representing me, pray for the preacher. And that's what we need one another to do. We need to pray for one another. We need one another. As believers, we're all in the spiritual battle together. Again, the word says in Galatians 6, 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And so it's like an image of resetting a bone back in its place. Not too long ago, I was with a very elderly person in the hospital that had taken a fall and it dislocated the shoulder. And the doctor came in when I was there and they said to the patient, your, your shoulder's dislocated and at your age, we don't want to do surgery if we don't have to. And they asked this individual, we're going to have to try to reset it. And so it was about three or four people in there and they turned this individual over and they said, just let your shoulder hang on the side of the bed. And they were telling this person, they said, we don't have many options here. The last thing we want to do is to take you into surgery. And so one of the doctors there, she sat there on the side of the bed and she took this person by the shoulder here. And as this person just let their arm hang on the side of the bed. The doctor said, I'm going to try to pop your shoulder back in place. And I could see the intensity. I could see the, the, the noise, the sound, the, the fidgetiness that they were making. I, I knew they were in dire straits. And I began to pray, Lord, help, help this doctor. And I sat there and I watched her as she moved this arm just a little bit freely like this, and then she did this maneuver, and she looked at me, and she shook her head. And she told this person, she said, I, I didn't get it. And she whispered to this person again, I've got to, I've got to try, I've got to do it. We, we just don't want to take you into surgery. And so very, very skillfully she dangled his arm just like this just for a little bit and then she positioned it and she made a quick gesture with it and she looked at me again and she shook her head and she said I didn't get it and she said I can only do this one more time and if this doesn't work unfortunately we're going to have to put you into surgery I said Lord Jesus let this work. Oh, God, touch the hands of this physician. I know you can do all things, Lord. The last thing this person needs right now in their life is a surgery. God, send an angel. Let the Spirit of the living God touch her hands and let her be able to do it. 
And amazingly, I sat there and watched her do the same thing I'd already seen her do twice. And she so skillfully took her time. And all of a sudden, boom. And she lit up with a big smile. She said, I got it. I got it. And I was praising the Lord in my spirit. And I said, thank you, Lord. Here's the thing. Sometimes we as brothers and sisters, we get things knocked out of place. And it may be a painful process to have things popped back into place as a brother or sister. But let me ask you, who should do the popping? According to this scripture, ye who are spiritual. Christians who are living out the fruit of the Spirit and who are being controlled by the Spirit because when we serve one another with love and forgiveness and compassion, we have to keep in mind that we are serving the Lord. Number two, we serve the Lord and one another when we're willing to bear one another's burdens. When I was looking at the Scripture, so many things came to my mind. But in Galatians 6, 2, the word says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Too many times, it's so much easier for us just to walk on by. We know somebody's struggling. We know somebody's hurting. And sometimes it's just a whole lot easier to walk right on by them and not get involved. And the Bible gives a great illustration of this. And we, I believe for the most part, we're familiar with it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30 through 32. And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. And it's so easy for us to do that. It's, it's so easy for us to become aware of somebody's burden and problem, maybe snare of sin, maybe caught up in the web uh, of the adversary. We often feel, when we see that happening sometimes, let's, let's take this for what it's worth because sometimes when we see that, we simply say, hey, I don't have enough time to get into, involved in that. That's not my business. That's not my affair. I don't have enough time to get involved with other people's troubles. But according to the scripture, listen, whatever burden we see a brother or sister under, we should always be willing to empathize with them. When we become aware of a health issue, for an example, or maybe a newborn baby circumstance or a new home, somebody moving in or somebody going through a recent divorce, a death in the family and things like this, we have got to stay focused and remember that we are part of a great big family. We are brothers and sisters, and none of us in this great big family of brothers and sisters should ever have to bear any burden alone. None of us. This could be very easy. I wonder how wonderful it would be if, if this is what happened here in our church. Since we're talking about serving together, suppose you look around where you're sitting right now. There's a person sitting in front of you that you don't know, maybe down your row a little bit, maybe somebody behind you, you don't know. But I'm wondering how wonderful what it would be if we, in this thing about serving one another, 
how wonderful it would be if you just, even where you sit right now, you're thinking, praying, yes, I'm listening. And you look here and you look there and you see somebody you do not know. And you, before they got in their car, they go out this door, you go out that door, they go out this door, you go out this door. But how wonderful would it be before somebody got in their car and you approached them and said, Hey, my brother. Hey, my sister. Is there anything that I could do for you this week? How can I serve you this week? And you might say, Oh, preacher, I'm not doing that because they might think of something. And then we're right back where we started from. <laughs> but let me encourage you, maybe on the prayer, prayer guide, listen, I, I, I keep it in my Bible all the time. Maybe, and you do, maybe perhaps you, when you have your prayer time, and you don't know maybe half of these people, to be honest with you, there, there's probably 45, 50% of the people that are on here that are your loved ones, your friends, your coworkers that I don't know, but you've asked for prayer, and I don't know these people either. But there are people on this list that I pray for all the time because I realize that there are people hurting and struggling all around me. You think about how big of a difference that would make. And I want to encourage you maybe to do that. Look around and see somebody. I don't know you by name, brother, but I see you sitting in this place all the time. Is there something that I could pray with you about this week? Sister, is there something I could pray with you about? Is there something I could do for you? You may not know them, but pray for God to do something special in their life. Number three, quickly, when we serve God and one another well, we'll be willing to bear our own burdens as well. You say, what are you talking about here, Pooch? I'm talking about not taking advantage of this thing, not taking advantage of other, other people either. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 4 and 5, but let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. I think we should never forget our own personal responsibilities in this thing of bearing one another burdens. And let's, let me give you an illustration. Think with me now. Perk up. Think with me. Say you and a few friends get together and you're going to go hiking. Now, I just lost 95% of you. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to do is go hike. I mean, think about it, though. Especially our kids. You ask your kids, hey, you want to go on a hike? big percentage of them say, have you lost your mind? Because see what they want to do, they want to hibernate on video games all their life. They don't know what clean, fresh air is all about. They don't know what the a beauty of God's creation is all about. And they're locked up, shut up, playing video games, working that phone. Hey, somebody needs to wake up in that place. But I'll tell you, say you're going on a hike. Friends get together and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to take a little stroll down the Appalachian Trail. And you've been on those games or you've been locked away, tucked away, and you say, I don't know about that. And they say, oh, no, come on, come on, come on. We'll have a great time. We'll have a cookout and we'll, we'll just get to see nature and you'll take some wonderful pictures. And, and so they, they talk into it. And you say, what do I need to bring? 
And they, they go through a few little things, put a knapsack, and say, we'll meet at the church at 5 in the morning. We'll get back tomorrow sometime, whatever it is. And so you're, you're off on a hike. I don't know how many of you have been on a long walk. A long walk. I can remember when our family got together for a reunion. We went down to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. I don't know how many of you ever got to the Wright Brothers Memorial. You ever seen that? And then you look way up the mountain and you see that big monument up there. So somebody in our family said, <laughs> it would be wonderful if we all took a hike up the mountain. And I say, yeah, it would. And she said, well, when I hope we get up there, they have bottled water. I said, well, when we get up there, I hope they have first aid. <laughs> I'm going to need it. But so you get together and you say, let's go on this big hike and say, say it's a 10-mile hike. And I've just lost the rest of you. But you're going to climb a mountainous range. You're hiking the Appalachian Trail. Most of you have never done anything like that in your life. And so how would it be? You packed your bag really well. Say, say, and I'm just rounding off a figure here. You've got it to about 50 or 60 pounds, and everyone has their own pack. And how would it be if you got into three hours of this hike, or you got into three three miles of the hike, and, and you're, you're saying, man, to yourself, I could be on a video game. I could be having a lot more fun. So you're saying to your buddies that are around here, hey, you know what? Could one of y'all carry my pack? And you got all these other people standing around you listening to you saying, hey, can you carry my pack? Can you carry my pack for a while? Now, let's, let's get real with that just for a minute. That's a hypothetical, but you can get real with it just for a minute because that would not be right. Everybody on the hike, everybody carrying their own pack, everybody carrying their own weight, doing their own thing. So that wouldn't be right. But say you get into three hours of the hike, and for some reason you, you trip, you sprained your ankle, and you were in excruciating pain. You could barely walk. Well, that would become a game changer. Probably the rest of the group would say, hey, let us all get together and divide up their pack. Put it in our pack if we have room. And let us bear a little bit of the extra weight here. I think sometimes there are situations where we help those who cannot help themselves. But we should all be doing what we can as we can to help ourselves. Always. Number four, and I'm going to ask musicians to come. We serve the Lord and others when we share the blessings of God. In Galatians 6, 6, let him that is taught in the word. Aren't you glad that somebody has taken the time in your life to teach you the word? to teach you the word.
to where you can get to the place to say, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Somebody taught you about the word where you understand that it will not return void. Somebody taught you in the word where all of it is inspired by God. And you know these truths. Somebody took time to teach you. Let him that is taught in the word, look at this, communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. So whatever lessons that we have learned in life, we, we need to share those lessons with other people. I've said it many ways, many times before, but let me come back to my most preferred illustration, and I want to close with this. When you share the word with others, it's like one beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. Amen. One beggar telling another beggar where he found the bread. So this thing about serving one another, we serve the Lord when we learn how to serve one another. And this list that we have given you gives you many examples and illustrations of where the opportunities exist for you to serve in the church. What I can promise you is this. You might say, well, preacher, I, I'm just a little too young. I, I believe it's in next Sunday's sermon. It may be in Sermon 7. These sermons I put together a few months ago, but in one of my upcoming sermons, I will tell you this, I'll remind you this again. Do, do you know how old Josiah was when he began to be king? Seven and eight years old. You know how old David was when he went out to fight the giant? Fifteen. You know how old Daniel was when he stood before Nebuchadnezzar? Seventeen. Do you know how old Caleb was when he said, I want that mountain? He was 80. Regardless of our circumstances, our age, the perplexities of what, we, what we're in, there's something, little as much when God is in it, there's something we all can do. So I want you to begin to pray on your card. Holy Spirit, shine the light on my path. Tell me what it is I can do. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.